You're listening to the Meeting Midway Podcast, a podcast of Midway United Methodist Church in Alpharetta, Georgia, featuring Pastor Jenny Andoni and Pastor Amanda Lane. Over the course of the podcast, we'll hear how the church relates to the real-world issues that matter to you and how God loves us all. Now, let's meet Midway. church. Let's stand together and worship this morning. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is a mountain, you see a mountain. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I'm safe with you. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. The battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet, I sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And if you are for me, who can be against me? For Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. When all I see are the ashes, you see the beauty. Thank you, God. When all I see is a cross, God, you see the empty tomb. can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. An almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. Good morning. 
Welcome to Midway United Methodist Church. My name is Amanda Lane, and I need to make sure I am on. I'm on. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Uh, It's such a pleasure to have you here worshiping with us this morning, whether you're in person or online. Uh, We'd love to ask you to register your attendance. You can do so by scanning the QR code that is in front of you, on, uh, in the back of the chair in front of you, the gray sheet. Um, let us know that you're here, that you're worshiping with us. This is also a place where you can share any prayer concerns or um, any updates on contact information. Um, we just like to gather that all in one place. A few quick announcements. Um, we are entering into the Advent, the Christmas season, and there's a lot going on. Um, where can you find all of this information? I've said it before. Where can you find it? Let's say that together. You can find it in the midweek. All right. I hope if you are not registered for the midweek, go ahead. And when you register your attendance, um, make a mark that you will be, uh, that you want to receive that midweek. A couple quick reminders. We do have devotional books for Advent, The Uncluttered Heart. They are right out here in the Welcome Center, $13 each. Um, You can put a check or cash in the offering plate. Just make sure you mark it uncluttered heart. Um, Our angel tree is right out here again in the the worship center. Um, We are supporting No Longer Bound and Wellspring Living. Um, All of those presents are due back on December the 11th or no later than December 11th. We still have quite a few gifts that need to be fulfilled. So on your way out today, go ahead and grab one of those uh, tags. Don't forget to order your poinsettias. Um, Deadline is also December the 11th. You can find these uh, poinsettia signups in the back, again, in the Welcome Center. So your, your two things are the midweek and the Welcome Center. Everything you need to know about what's going on in the life of the church, um, those are the, the areas you can find it. And finally, the choir's lessons and carols will happen on December 11th as well, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., so there's no 945 service that Sunday. It is a pleasure, a, an honor, to be together in worship this morning. Let's go to God in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you so much. We thank you for this day, this time, this opportunity we have to come to worship you. And God, I pray that you would just lead us and guide us. Work in our hearts. Help us to worship you to our fullest. In your name we pray. Amen. I'd now like to invite Ava Ziliak and Caitlin Hawkins. They are going to help us light our Advent wreath this morning. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Isaiah 2.2. We begin the first week of Advent with hope in God's promised arrival. A favorite Advent hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, was written by Anglican priest John Mason Neal in the mid-1800s. This beautiful hymn reflects the hope we celebrate today. The hymn's sixth verse speaks to hope. O come, thou dayspring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. As we light the first candle of advent, we carry into our gloomy places the light of hope. Let us pray. Lord of hope, open our hearts and our minds to your presence and wake us up from the sleep and inattention holding us back. Prepare us to receive your love, even as we prepare our lives to celebrate the joy of Christ's birth. In joyful hope we pray. Amen. Christ is my firm foundation, 
the rock on which I stand when everything around me is shaken. I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus because he's never let me down. He's faithful through generations. So why would he fail now? He won't. still got joy in chaos I've got peace that makes no sense so I won't be going under I'm not held by my own strength cause I built my life on Jesus he's
shall come to thee, O Israel. At this time, I'd like to invite uh, Miss Tiffany and our children forward for our children's sermon this morning. you guys this morning? Good. Well, it's official. The countdown to Christmas has started. I know. So now on the new, on the TV, um, online, on the radio, they're going to say 28 days of shopping until Christmas. And then they're going to say 25 days, 24 days of shopping until Christmas because they're, you know, that's what everyone thinks about when it comes to Christmas. But what do we think about? That's right. And so as we get closer to Christmas, there are signs everywhere that Christmas is coming, right? What are some signs that we see that remind us that Christmas is coming? Christmas decorations, yep. Christmas gifts, uh uh-huh. Christmas trees, favorite. Ornaments, okay. The, jumping ahead, the advent calendar. You got that right. Um, So do you think 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born, do you think that there were newspaper ads and there were on the radio that said, Savior, coming soon? No. (laughs) They did not have the technology. You're exactly right. But, so some people, you're exactly right. Some people were surprised when Jesus was, when the Savior came, when Jesus was born. But other people remembered that prophets had told them that a Savior was coming. And guess what? They knew it was that little baby in a stable born, right? That's super cool. But did anyone think a king would be born in a stable? No, but he was, which was really awesome. So Christmas is a wonderful time to remember, um, of course, the birth of Jesus. But what else did Jesus do for us? He died for us and he went to heaven. And you know what it says in the Bible? That he's going to come back again one day. And that's the promise he made to us. So we made promises back then, and one day they'll, they'll be fulfilled. And what will happen when he comes back again? Well, we'll go to heaven with him. That's the best thing, right? Uh-huh, that's pretty awesome. So, of course, today, what did they like today? A candle. Did, did anyone hear what that candle means? It's a candle of hope. Good job, Rosie. So... Of course, as we get closer to Christmas, everyone, did you guys all receive one of these today, most of you? If you haven't, you'll receive it when you go downstairs. But everyone received a packet today, all the children. And what's that say? Hope. And it has a little card in it. It says, hope, as I light the first candle on my wreath, I hope in you, Jesus, my Savior. And this is our your own little Advent calendar. And so what you're going to do, of course, you have a little packet here. And it has all the different things, love. It has Christ right there that's going to be in the center. It has faith. And so as we count down to Christmas and Jesus' birth, you're going to use this. And it's going to be just like this. We have this wreath. This is going to be your very own wreath at home that's going to help you to remember and to be thankful each day as we get closer to Christmas, right? Because guess what? He promised you that you would receive a Savior, and he promises that he'll come back again one day too, right? That's pretty awesome. All right. Can you guys say a prayer with me? All right. Everyone bow your heads. Dear Jesus, thank you for your love. And thank you for sending a Savior. Our hope is in you. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Our children are invited to head downstairs with Miss Tiffany for Children's Church, or they can head back to their grown-ups.
let's take a moment to go to God in prayer. Would you pray with me? of time and hope, we are rushing headlong into the holidays to come. We look at our calendars and our day planners and wonder how we will get everything done in the time that's been given to us before the big day arrives. We begin to panic at the thought of projects still to be finished, contacts that need to be made, preparations for festivities that have only just begun. And the darkness of obsessive holiday planning overtakes us and clouds our minds and spirits. But you are a God of time and light. You bring hope to us, as you always have through the voices of the great prophets, and now through the one who is to come, Jesus Christ. Remind us again what the season is truly about love, hope, peace, and joy. Calm us down. Slow us down. Help us remember that it is in loving relationships that you gave your son to us. And it is in loving relationship that your word is carried into the hearts of the people. No tinsel, ribbons, tape, cards can convey the eternal message adequately. You have given us the light to shine in our path and to cut through our darkness. Shine in the hearts of your people today. Bless those dear ones whom we have named before you with your healing, reconciling, comforting presence and love. Give strength to all who face difficult situations. And let your compassionate light shine on them, guiding their decision and their steps. Bring us at last to your presence, where the light of hope and love continually pour out on us. These prayers and hopes we offer in confidence and gratitude for your love and presence. And we offer these prayers in the name of Christ And we pray together the prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture lesson for this first Sunday of Advent comes to us from Paul's letter to the church at Rome, the 15th chapter, beginning with the fourth verse. Here now. God's word to us this day. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, 
all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles, and him the Gentiles shall hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Years ago, a United States submarine sank off the coast of New England. The Coast Guard was called in to locate it. When the divers approached the submarine on that dark ocean floor, they heard a tapping noise. In Morse code, from inside the stranded vessel came the message, Is there hope? If ever there is a time for hope, it is Advent. This season in which we await Christ's coming as Emmanuel, God with us, to save us, who came to save us and to redeem us and to restore all of creation. It's an audacious hope, if ever there was one. And yet many people find hope to be in short supply these days. After all, the problems and the challenges of of life don't disappear just because the holidays are near. The tragic news cycles continue with endless stories of war, famine, disaster, shootings, bigotry, and racism. And the very expression, the very expectation of being merry and bright when one doesn't feel that way only serves to make matters worse, increasing one's sense of hopelessness. Such despair can stem from any of a number of problems that life throws at us. Sometimes it's the result of an internal darkness, a depressive state, a dark night of the soul that you know, bears no relationship to the favorable or unfavorable circumstances of our life. This kind of hopelessness may require medical intervention or prolonged counseling in order to overcome it. Other times, hopelessness is brought about by a life crisis, a prolonged illness, grief, infertility, finances, career, or family concerns. Or it may be the result of a life transition, a move, an empty nest, a a retirement. You know, even the joyous birth of a long-awaited baby can bring its challenges accompanied as it is by sleep deprivation and isolation and the not-so-rare postpartum depression. You know, it has been said that Man can live about 40 days without food, three days without water, eight minutes without air, but only one second without hope. In his book, Theology of Hope, Jorgen Moltmann wrote, to live without hope is to cease to live. Hell is hopelessness. Perhaps this is why the entrance to Dante's hell bore the inscription, Leave behind all hope, you who enter here. In his letter to the Romans, Paul speaks more about hope than in any of his other epistles. He is writing to a church to encourage their unity amidst a diversity that could easily tear them apart. He prays, may the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus so that together you may with one voice glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the challenges of our denominational infighting 
between progressives and traditionalists has nothing on a church. The early church was made up of Jews and Gentiles who are as different from one another as the opposite political poles of our day. Through a long theological argument, Paul argues for the inclusion of the Gentiles in the promises God made to Israel, culminating with a resounding note of hope, writing for whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Hope for Paul is central to the life of the church and the fulfillment of the church's mission. So what does Paul mean by hope? Hope is not wishful thinking as in, I hope I win the lottery, or I hope Georgia beats Alabama. Neither is hope a platitude that doesn't take seriously the pain and suffering of life in a fallen world. We often say, or at least I do, hope springs eternal. You know, it's a turn of phrase not found in the Bible, but in a famous poem by Alexander Pope. But, you know, most often when we use it, we do so tongue-in-cheek, not as a profession of faith, like when... Julian of Norwich confessed her hope in God by affirming, all shall be well, all shall be well, and all manner of thing shall be well. The hope that Paul has in mind is not a pie-in-the-sky optimism, but a Christian virtue. Hope is a, a virtue, a virtue that, like faith, is instilled in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope. By what? By the power of the Holy Spirit. So hope is not a pull ourselves up by the bootstraps, put on our big girl panties, Grin and bear it until things hopefully get better. Hope, rather, is a gift that we receive from God. It is a belief, a trust in God and his unfailing love that gives us confidence that all will be well, no matter how bleak things may look at the moment. As the writer of Hebrews put it, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. One of the ways hope is instilled in us is through the words of Scripture that are inspired by God's Spirit. Listen again to Paul's words. For whatever was written in the former days, that is, what was written in the past, was written for our instruction, written to teach us in the present, so that by steadfastness and by encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope, hope for the future. You want hope for what lies ahead? Look to the scriptures, counsel, Paul. Read what's written there. When the apostle refers to what's Written, he's referring, of course, to the Hebrew scriptures, our Old Testament. These inspired words were written to the Jews, but became a gift to the Gentiles and to the church. Here in God's word, Jesus' followers find encouragement to stay the course when we face disappointment and discouragement. And we should never discount the importance of the Old Testament. For in it, we can read about people of faith before us who again and again and again trusted in God's promises, even when there was 
no objective reason to do so. Foremost among these was Abraham, who despite all signs to the contrary, believed in the future that God had promised him. Back in chapter 4, Paul writes, When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say, it's hopeless. This 100-year-old body could never father a child, nor did he survey Sarah's decades of infertility and give up. He didn't tiptoe around God's promise, asking cautiously skeptical questions. He plunged into the promise and came up strong, ready for God, sure that God would make good on what he had said. This is why it is said, Abraham was declared fit before God by trusting God to set him right. But it's not just Abraham, Paul went on. It's also us. The same thing gets said about us when we embrace and believe in the one who brought Jesus to life when the conditions were equally hopeless. The God who raised Jesus from the dead is a God who can do far more than we can ever ask or imagine. When all seems hopeless, the scriptures attest that God has been trustworthy in the past and can therefore be trusted with the future. Steve Mills, a college administrator and blogger, once wrote about hope in relationship to his wife's battle with cancer. He said that when his wife was diagnosed with cancer, they hoped that medical treatment would restore her health. When it didn't, they hoped that God would heal her. But when God didn't, It was their hope in eternal life in Christ that sustained them. Our lives then, said Mills, are not so much about what happens to us or what God does or doesn't do for us, but that we have hope in Christ and his promises. Over in the Psalms, you turn to the Psalms and there... The psalmist gives voice to our human feelings of despair while also offering a word of hope. The psalmist sings, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. The prophets, too, of the Old Testament, they also offer hope. In Lamentations 3, after Nebuchadnezzar's army laid waste to Jerusalem and the temple, killing multitudes, the prophet Jeremiah grieved, but then he directed his thoughts towards God. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait on him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And therein, I think, is the challenge. The challenge of hope is in the waiting. Waiting for the darkness to dissipate so that we can see what it is that God is up to. And yet, that is what we are called to do in this season of the church year. 
We are to wait. Wait in anticipation of God's coming. But it's, you know, it's hard to wait because I don't know if you've noticed, but we are, by and large, a pretty impatient people. Because why? We're used to instant gratification. Ask our kids. And we can't see what the future holds. And we, when we can't, our impatience only grows worse. I have a friend that told me, don't pray. She knows I'm impatient. I know that y'all find that hard to believe. But she told me, don't pray for patience because God will teach it to you. Right? Again and again, the psalmist gives voice to those challenges and what we are hoping for. Paul counsels us back in 8.25, in Romans 8.25, now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes what is for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with what? Patience. When Dietrich Bonhoeffer was awaiting trial in a Nazi prison in Advent 1943, he wrote to his fiancée, who he would never marry because he'd be executed before they could be wed. But he wrote this to her. He said, a prison cell in which one waits, hopes, and is completely dependent on the fact that the door of freedom has to be open from the outside, is not a bad picture of Advent. We are, to use Zachariah's turn of phrase, prisoners of hope, waiting for God to rescue us as we trust in his work and hold on to the belief that he who promised is faithful. So this season of Advent, my brothers and sisters, let us wait patiently. And as we do, let us ask God to drive out the darkness that clutters our hearts to make room for his hope. A hope that just as Jesus was born, died, and rose again to save us, so Christ will come again to redeem all of creation. In a sermon simply entitled Hope, Frederick Beekner reflects on the hope that we find within the body of Christ. And I close with it. Ministers and congregations both, they came to church year after year. And who is to say how, if at all, their lives were changed as the result? If you'd stopped and asked them on any given Sunday, I suspect they would have said they weren't changed much. Yet they kept on coming anyway. And beneath all the lesser reasons they had for doing so, so far beneath that they themselves were only half aware of it, I think there was a deep reason. And if I could only give one word to characterize that reason, the word I would give is hope. I think it is hope that lies at our hearts and hope that finally brings us all here Hope that in spite of all the devastating evidence to the contrary, the ground that we stand on is holy ground because Christ walked here and walks here still. Hope that we are known, each one of us, by name and that out of the burning moments of our lives, he will call us by our names to the lives that he would have us live and the selves that he would have us become. Hope that into the secret grief 
and pain and bewilderment of each of us in our world. He will come at last to heal and to save. The root of Jesse shall come, says the prophet, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. In him, the Gentiles have hope. Let us pray. To you, O Lord, we lift our hearts. We put our trust in you, believing that you are faithful and your word is true. We lift up to you our longing for hope in a despairing world. We lift up to you our need for hope in a time of deep hopelessness and division. We lift up to you those yearning for hope this day. You promised hope to Israel, and you kept your promise. You promised hope in the coming of your son, and he was the hope for the world. You promised hope to the early church, and that hope was not denied. You promise hope to us, and we trust in your continued faithfulness. Lord, we pray for hope when our faith falters. Fill us with confidence in your presence in our lives. Fill us with your joy and peace as we go through this Advent season. That your love might be poured into our lives and overflow to others as we await your coming. O Lord, our Emmanuel. As Pastor Jenny said, hope gives us faith. And faith, through faith, we are called to action. We're called to action in our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. And so my question to you this week is how will you How will you go out and spread hope to others? What ways will you offer yourselves so that hope can be realized? Would you stand with me? where I lay it down every burden every crown this is my surrender this is my surrender here is where I lay it down every lie and every doubt this is my surrender I will make To do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to, I will make room for you, to do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to, here is where I is my surrender here is where I
Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to the Meeting Midway podcast from Midway United Methodist Church. The doors to our community are open to all, and we invite guests to join us at our services on Sunday. We have a traditional worship service at 8.30 a.m. in our historic chapel, an acoustic worship service at 9.45 a.m. in our historic chapel, and a contemporary service at 11 a.m. in our modern sanctuary. For more information, check us out online at midwayumc.org. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon.